0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Arbor Vitae podcast promoting virtue in woodworking. Uh, I'm Adam Taylor, one of your co-hosts, and I'm here with my fellow co-host, Jonathan Conrad, and our guest host, Daniel Taylor. And today we have the pleasure of sitting down to interview Mary May, who was our featured craftsman for episode eight. And uh, Mary, we're really happy to have you on the show. Thank you for coming.
1: Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. (laughs)
0: Um, it's, it's really our pleasure to get to talk to you. And, um, we've been telling our listeners, uh, I mean, we told our listeners a little bit about you in the episode itself, but, um, I wanted to invite you to take a moment and, uh, introduce yourself for any of our listeners who don't know you, or if there's anything that, um, you just want to say about yourself or your work, um, your school, you probably Mm want to hit on that.
1: Sure, sure. <laughs> no, um, well, I've been carving now. I can actually say over twenty-five years. Oh my! Great,
0: <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> over a quarter of a century.
0: Um, <laughs> I have been
1: carving, and I started out really just as a hobby, um, and just taking like one night a week, taking classes um, from a a local um, uh, Greek woodcarver up in Minneapolis, Konstantinos Papadakis. So he was a master carver. Back, uh, um, back in the '40s, actually. So he,
2: uh,
1: oh wow, started training me. And basically, as I said, I was started as a hobby because I was really interested in it. And I knew within about probably a month, you know, actually probably within the first cut of wood, I knew I could if I wanted or if I was able to do this as a career, um, I would somehow. (laughs) And and I suppose it was probably about uh, probably three or four years into that when I finally actually said, okay, enough. I'm going to do this for a living. And uh, since then I never turned back. Wow. It's been a great, uh, a a great journey.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Had you had experience working with uh, wood prior to doing the carving classes?
1: You know what? Not very much. I was more into art. Um, I was into ceramics and that type of thing. So I kind of did have a little bit of a background in the art field. Um, and then this just was sort of a kind of a natural progression. I was actually over in Europe when I was, um, I'd done a, a sort of a, a semester abroad and I had seen these incredible cathedrals and castles. And I just, I came back basically saying, wow, I want to learn how to do that. And um, as I said, I was living in Minneapolis at the time and I just basically looked in the Yellow Pages and uh, looked under wood carving. And that's basically where I found Constantinos, um, and um, it was uh, he basically you know learned that sort of very traditional European techniques and styles and um, all of the uh, very everything hand carved and very strict and uh, very <laughs> methodical and and um, it was exactly what I was looking for because um you know i wanted to do that european style i wanted to do um, the styles that you you see in these churches when i was uh, actually he's he uh, specialized in the um the greek orthodox churches and if you if you've ever been inside a greek orthodox church it's got usually this huge screen across the front of it it's called the icon screen um or icon iconostasis and it's completely carved and all these very, very ornate detail carvings. So that's basically how I was trained when I first started. And I um, wow. just sort of ventured from there. And um, then yeah, basically for the um, next maybe 15 years or so, I just learned and learned and, and um, took on projects and uh, took on commissions. And then I ended up actually getting more into teaching. Um, you know, here I was a sort of um, kind of a hermit really i was very happy being a hermit in my own office. <laughs> i think many wood carvers can testify or woodworkers can testify sure um, just uh, you yeah know, we like our little space and um then i was sort of dragged out one time saying come i wanted somebody wanted to learn how to carve so i you know kicking and screaming i went out of my workshop and um again i never looked back because uh, since then i've been doing a lot of teaching um and actually traveling and teaching classes. And about five years ago, I started an online video school, which uh, is going really well. I add another video every week, which keeps me very, very busy. Wow. <laughs> but it's been a very, very entertaining journey. And you just never know what's going to come around the corner next.
0: Wow. Now, you you carve in both wood and stone, right?
1: Yes yeah it actually I was more officially sort of trained in wood carving and then the stone carving just sort of naturally evolved um, it's it's kind of once you understand three dimension and once you understand um, how to see things in depth and layers and all of that then it's really just learning the material and learning the tools so you know whether it's clay or whether it's metal or whether it's Uh, wood or stone or anything that's three-dimensional it's really just learning the material and the actual um, tools itself and how to use the tools so i think the most difficult thing to get through is is um getting the concept in your mind of of how to work it
3: Mm -hmm. out of curiosity how different are the tools between wood carving and stone carving
1: you definitely don't want to use the wood carving tools <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
1: well actually um i probably have about 250 different wood carving gouges wow. and i probably only have really about 10 stone carving chisels so um wow. not that necessary to have that many you know i'm not sure if it's really necessary to have that many wood carving tools either but
2: <laughs>
0: <I can. laughs> we won't tell
1: but um yeah they are different um uh, the the wood carving tools uh, you really are required to have very very sharp tools i mean to the point where it's razor sharp in order to get the cuts but the stone carving tools not as necessary it's not as necessary to have them that razor sharp um and you know they have just smaller um detail chisels are just slightly different um and obviously, with the stone carvers, you you want to actually use a mallet all the time.
2: Okay,
1: mallet with it. Whereas with wood carving, you are using it occasionally, but it's not necessary all the time.
3: Hmm.
2: Gotcha. One, one other question I have: so, have you seen a a resurrection in an interest in wood carving? Has has that interest always been there, or um, do you feel like, yeah, have you seen an increase in interest?
1: Um, well, that's interesting. Um, I think there's always been an interest in doing, um, you know, the, the using the, in whittling and doing that type of thing, um, and making, um, you know, the, the figurines and that type of thing and carving birds and carving, um, that carving wildlife, that type of mm-hmm. thing. But I've had a Hard time finding people um, sometimes who are interested in the sort of classical carving and the sort of decorative design. There's either there just hasn't been that many teachers in that environment. Um, I was going to ask about that too. The, yeah, the uh, I mean, you, you a lot of times you have to kind of rely on either the European masters, and there's not that many of them out there. Um, you know, um, my teacher is probably in his late 70s now. You know, he's teaching a lot of the styles, but um it's it's difficult sometimes to find the actual teachers of this style. So I think um you know the, the opportunity to do this online school, I think that's making it really available and, and it's very inexpensive. Um it's basically $14.99 a month and you pretty much can watch all the videos um as many times wow. as you want full access to it. Um, and, you know, just, and that's really one of the main reasons why I started the school was to make it available. Sometimes it is difficult to travel and go to these classes. You know, you, you pay for travel, you pay for, um, you know, the actual, um, the classes themselves, you got by the tools, everything. So it's not very practical, especially for young people. So, you know, having it available and now everybody has internet, I mean, it's, it's all available. Um, but just to, to just to make it um, that much more available, and I've seen a, a lot of people interested in just following the videos and following um, the the designs. As um, you know, the uh, just learning the uh, the basic techniques. There's a lot of people who've never even considered it, uh, and now it's kind of exciting to see the uh, the interest that is uh, is into this. Because I love it, and I want other people to love it too.
2: I can imagine. And I mean, it's, it's what you're doing is, is you're preserving an art um, and giving an opportunity to, you know, to hopefully grow in, in, in popularity, but also just preserving what you were taught where, you know, it sounds like you had a great opportunity to learn from, you know, very, very skilled craftsmen. And you're taking that knowledge and experience and kind of giving that back in a way that, uh, is more permanent, you know, in, in creating these online videos, which is fantastic. I, I, I have not had a chance to check them out yet. And I'm very much looking forward to, I have a feeling that, uh, it won't be long after that, that I'll start, start trying to, you know, save up for some good tools and, and, and get into some of the basics.
1: Well, as I said, it's sort of, it it can be very addicting (laughs) once you start.
2: (laughs) So what advice then do you have for, you know, our listeners who um, may be interested in getting into carving, but, you know, don't know where to start?
1: Um, Well, I mean, you really just have to start. (laughs) I mean, that's the, I think some people are are sort of afraid to even venture into the, oh, what what do I even do? Um, And now uh, on my school, I've got basically 16 beginning uh, videos for free. So and that's really just to get you started with sharpening and a couple of basic projects. And that usually is enough to that's enough to get you hooked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's great marketing, right? Yeah.
1: Get you trapped. <laughs>
0: yep. First one's free.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I just because I think the whole thing about tool sharpening, um, you know, people a lot of times you hear about people they've got their, you know, their grandfather's tools that they inherited and it's been they've been sitting in the attic for 40 years and they're rusted and so um you know it it helps to get started with that um and just uh just so you can begin somewhere um i I think some people are a little intimidated at the whole process of even starting and um you know the the projects that i provide right at the very beginning for people who have never picked up a tool before it really starts at the very beginning how do you hold the tools um, One of the early projects is how to carve a donut, which I know it sounds really <laughs> silly and very basic, but <laughs> it really teaches the process of how to carve in the right brain direction. And wow! That's probably I was one say that
2: actually sounds really hard.
1: Things with with carving is knowing the correct direction to go.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think one thing that helps Mary is is how vocal you are about. Uh, progress and how I love that uh, carving you show from time to time your first carving I guess it was the the face
1: the face yes the one that looks like Rory Underhill (laughs) (laughs)
3: yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I I, you know I love when you show it because you say here look this is this is where I started and then uh, we can of course see the the gorgeous things that you're carving now and, and it's a good example you know hey there's hope there's hope here for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, no, and you know, the funny thing is there are times when, you know, I thought, oh, why would I want to keep that? But I'm so glad that I did. And that really was my very first carving I ever tried with a very dull chisel and a big rubber mallet. Oh. And I, I wailed away at it. And I, you know, two days later, I had this sort of face that somewhat looked like a <laughs> person. Um, but <laughs> I actually bring that to my um, beginner beginner classes just uh, just for that reason because you know they're they're feeling intimidated and scared and oh where do I go with this and you know kind of concerned about their how their first project will look. Well, I always encourage them to actually keep their first project even though maybe they may not be real happy with it. Just put it aside and then you know years later they'll look at it and say yes, but look look how far I've come. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome That's
3: good advice, <laughs> so we um had talked about you know carving really teaching about uh, grain direction um, what What do you think uh carving can teach us about some other aspects of woodworking?
1: Oh goodness um, well i mean uh, the the main thing is tool um the control of the tools. Um, control of how to to work with your hands, um, the discipline of that, um, just that that um, learning how to see in three dimension. Um, it's there's there's a lot of similarities. The thing is, um, funny thing is, I'm not really a, a woodworker or furniture maker. Um, I actually have I, I've taken some classes long long ago, um, but I knew I had the real. Uh, it's a real possibility that I would sort of venture in way too many directions and then sort of lose the the motivation or focus on the carving so I kind of had to resist (laughs) going in all (laughs) those different directions but there are a lot of similarities, I mean you're you're dealing with this magnificent material with this, uh, that that has some uh, um, amazing challenges really when you're dealing with uh, recently I was working carving in um, Sapili now that's sort of a type of mahogany that they sort of lump together now and, and as they call it mahogany all the time now. And they say, Oh no. So my, my client said he was going to supply me with um, mahogany and gave me the sapili. And about every quarter of an inch, it was completely switching grain on me.
3: Oh, and, uh,
1: <laughs> and so you know, you you learn to just okay, go with the flow. Okay, this is what I've been presented. Um, what do I do with it? How do I get through this? Um, and there's <laughs> there's always a way. You just have to figure it out. <laughs> but I love the challenges, and that's what keeps uh, keeps my job interesting.
3: Wow, great. The, the sapili, was was that what you were carving the the chair arms?
1: The oak, the oak leaves or the, the oak leaves recently. I don't know if you. Yeah,
3: seen. yeah, yes, yes.
1: Yeah. I have some photographs, I think, on that, my Instagram and Facebook account. They, but yeah, the oak leaves, it's just a series of oak leaves. They're tiny little oak leaves and about every, yeah, about every quarter inch, it completely switched on me. <laughs> oh my. So the, the situation with something like that is you have no option but to carve across the grain you have to carve across the grain. If you carve in the direction of the grain, actually with the grain, it'll just it'll snag and it'll surprise you somewhere along the way. Oh, hmm. <laughs> the whole thing about cutting carving across the grain is you're in control of the grain then. Ah. There uh, otherwise if you if you're carving actually with with the grain, it doesn't make a lot of sense, I know, but uh, the carving sort of in the direction of the grain, it's in control of you. <laughs> so gotcha.
0: Is that because it's easy for your tool to slip along the grain?
1: Um, No, it's actually, if if you're carving with the grain, if the wood decides to just do a dive down, re-angle itself, um, um, it's going to just pull your tool right into that cut. Oh, wow. If you're cutting across the grain, if you've got a sharp enough tool, you should be able to take and make that cut cleanly right across the grain, and any grain issue will never be an issue. You, you won't have to deal with any problems with the grain, any any switches, any snags, anything like that, because you're basically not even considering the grain at that point.
0: Wow. Well, it sounds like that can be a little bit trying. Um, <laughs> so as I imagine, I mean, something as meticulous as carving can probably be uh, trying on the patient's quite a bit, uh, especially when you're first getting started. Um, Do you have any tips or suggestions for how to be patient and how to sort of keep your cool in the face of wayward grain or or anything else?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because you look at, you think of of any kind of project that that you do. And I think sometimes the impatience comes when we want to finish it too fast we're we're too anxious about seeing the completed finished product
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: so we want to get there really quickly and i think that usually uh (laughs) can can cause you to want to go way um, much faster than really how you should go and as i was (laughs) saying with that with that sapili grain you don't want to rush it you want to Uh, I guess you could say savor the moment (laughs) 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 and, um, um, you know, I was, I, I tell the story to my my students sometimes, um, just on sort of that, um, dealing with the, the, the moment rather than sort of looking at that, at, at the very large hill ahead of you, um, and when I was, uh, I, I remember I was about 10 or 11 years old and there was this huge hill in our neighborhood and, um, I used to ride my bike in our neighborhood and uh, every single time going up that hill with my bicycle, I would have to stop halfway and walk it all the way to the rest of the top of the hill. And until one, one day I thought, you know what, I'm not going to look at the top of the hill. I'm going to focus, I'm going to put my, look down at the ground, and I'm just going to keep pedaling, keep pedaling, and keep pedaling, and not look at the top of the hill, and not think about the top of the hill, because as soon as you think about the top of the hill, you're going to quit, and you're going to say, I'm I'm going to push the bike up the rest of the way. And that was an amazing experience for me, because I'm sitting here looking down at the ground, and I'm pedaling and pedaling, same effort as I would, you know, if I was looking at the top of the hill, but psychologically, all of a sudden, I'm at the top of the hill. And I made it up there without even uh, you know, putting in effort. So I thought, wow. And I learned a huge lesson from that, just that one simple thing of don't focus on the this sort of huge mountain that you have to climb. And whether whatever that ends up being, whether it's a, a mountain or a hill or whether it's a huge carving project that you're looking at the end of it going, oh, my goodness, I'm never, ever going to make it. Or, (laughs) you know, a piece of furniture or something that you're looking at, like, look at the goal of it. Um, But instead of that, look at the step-by-step process, and you look at it, okay, first I have to do this, and then I have to do that, and then I have to do that. And once you sort of, you start going through that process and just um, methodically, move from process to process. And before you knew it, before you know it, um, you'll have the whole thing complete and you will actually enjoy the process along the way.
2: (laughs)
0: That's awesome. What a great story. I mean, really is that's like perfect. The perfect analogy.
2: (laughs) We should have had her just do the show for us. I know. (laughs) That's right. Yeah.
0: Can we, (laughs) can we like take back episode eight and just Put this in its place.
2: Voiceover, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: I mean, we had we had like a few tips, but nothing that memorable. Like we we always try to frame things in in a way that uh, people will understand and and then be able to recall later on. And to me, like that story, I feel like every time I have a big project now, I'm going to think about pedaling a bike up a hill, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or not think about pedaling a bike up a hill
1: as it were. It is amazing when you can actually pinpoint a time in your life when you learned a huge lesson about, you know, the aiming towards that goal that will probably end up causing you to be afraid of it or cause you to um, think that you can't or, you know, psychologically think, no, no, I'll never get there. And, uh, you know, well, don't. I don't think
2: that way <laughs> i just do it <laughs> do you re- do you remember like are there are there specific moments from from your carving experience where you remember you know very vivid lessons of even if it was a mistake or where you know a piece of wood broke or you know where you had to something that went didn't go the way you had planned um and it turned into a you know a great learning lesson
1: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we once, all have those, once we? twice <laughs> um, yeah actually there was a, a project that I was carving and there were bed posts that had spiral acanthus leaves up this bed post Ooh, wow and um, I uh, there was an original that my customer gave me to copy basically and I had to do um, two more basically he was going to reproduce this bed okay so I had to carve two more so I carved the first one exactly like the first one, and that's fine. And then I carved the second one, and I started carving it exactly like the first one. Well, my husband <laughs> comes into my shop and says, "Oh, isn't that nice?" You know, giving me all the wonderful things that husbands do—accolades and all and <laughs> that. <laughs> and he stops and he said, <gasps> "And I thought what?" And he said, um, "Are they supposed to be spiraling in the opposite direction?"
0: Oh <laughs> <no>.
1: <laughs> And I'm like, oh no. And uh sure enough when I called the uh the customer, he said, Oh yeah, they're supposed to be spiraling in the opposite direction. Well oh. just copying the original, right? <laughs> 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 so yeah, there was no um fixing that one. It was already no, no sort of, what do they call that design adjustment, you know, when you make those little mistakes and you know,
2: <laughs> it turns happen. into a feature, Sorry, <laughs> it just turns into a feature, right? right. <laughs> That's, that was supposed to be there. That was totally intentional.
1: Right yeah. uh, now this wasn't that option. So I pretty much had to start over again.
2: <laughs>
0: My woodworking has a lot of features. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Uh, no, um, out of curiosity, what happened to the rogue bedpost?
1: Oh, they got to keep that. Oh, they're they nice. the ones that actually supplied the the um, fixed one. So they, uh, yeah, they said, "Well, I'll I'll get you a new one, but we get to keep the the mistake."
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
2: Well, so then, then I guess you know we we talk about patience. What what does kind of virtue in woodworking mean to you? And are there, um, you know, are there other virtues that you found to be extremely important in the work that you've done, uh, to help you progress in your trade?
1: Um, wow. Well, you know, I, I associate a, a lot of what I do right now with teaching just because it's such a big part of my world right now. And, um, what I like to do and encourage my students is that when you find something that you really love to do, and when you find something that you can just, you know, lose yourself in for hours and hours and hours and you, you know, discover it's three o'clock in the morning and you still don't want (laughs) to (laughs) stop. Um, once you discover that one thing that you absolutely love to do and it doesn't I mean wood carving is just that one very odd thing that I sort of latched on to can be whether it's, you know, cooking or, or woodworking or, or knitting or painting or whatever it is that you truly can lose yourself in. Um, that is really what you need to just stay with and love and nurture it. And, um, because that's what life is about—to <laughs> just really find that thing that you can absolutely get lost in and absorbed in—and um, uh, that's that's just uh, in my sort of simplistic way of saying, uh, you know, when you find that one thing that you love, just simply do it.
0: It's great. Yeah, I'm no. sure that that will uh, spill over into the other aspects of your life as well. You know, if you're happy if you're happy in doing a a hobby or a career or something, it's going to make you happier in life and it's going to affect the way you interact with other people. It's going to make you more charitable. You know, you're going to have just, it feels like a better outlook on life if you have something that really makes you happy.
1: Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's true. If you're, you know, you, you are, you become a more content person when you, when you're, find that thing that makes you content.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, have you gone through periods where, you know, periods of frustration or, or like artists, cause I, I would, I look at a woodwork or wood carving as a much more artistic version of just like furniture making, for example, obviously there's artistic in all aspects of woodworking, but I would say specifically, especially in wood carving, have you, have you gone through periods of either frustration or, or maybe like creative dry spells or things like that where it's been it's been it's felt more like a chore
1: uh yeah that's interesting because um I'd say I in my career probably 80 90 percent of the work that I do the actual commissions that I do are not necessarily um not necessarily my own designs a lot of times because they're either, you know, doing reproduction furniture or something that's already been done or maybe working with somebody else's designs. Mm -hmm. Furniture maker has designed, um, part of their furniture that needs some carving. So I do that. So there's a lot of times where I don't really have an opportunity necessarily to do my own designs. And it's, it's actually interesting that you asked that recently just, last early last week i had an opportunity where i had some time to just kind of test because there was actually a part of me that was wondering whether you sort of lose that creative um nature of designing your own thing you sort of wonder oh my goodness i've been doing this um you know for other people for so long and um you you do sort of question if i had this sort of blank piece of wood in front of me and i had all the time in the world and all the money in the world and <laughs> i didn't have to worry about living and all of that um what would you do and i was actually kind of concerned that i wouldn't have a clue i'd probably stare at this block of wood for about six months <laughs> <and> <laughs> wait for it to speak to me um but early last week i actually had this huge block of mahogany that, uh, is, uh, 8 inches by 10 inches by 21, I believe. Um, wow. Mahogany. Um, I think it was an old beam from a building, but I don't know. Uh, a friend of mine gave it to me. and But it's a beautiful piece of old roast mahogany. It's a really stunning. And uh, anyway, I just started chopping away at it on Monday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday. <laughs> I just kept on going. So I had some time. Um, to do this. And I ended up, uh, I'm still working on it, but I ended up carving a face of a woman who is basically this sort of hair sort of flowing all over. And, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself. My arms were absolutely exhausted by the, uh, the end of every evening. And because I was using a lot of mallet work and everything, but I was thoroughly enjoying myself. And I, I kind of discovered, and I was happy. I'm happy to say that I can actually create <laughs> my own design. <laughs> it's still there; you just have to sort of coerce it out every once in a while.
2: Um, I was looking at those. Um, well, I'm actually, I just pulled them up again. Um, yeah, it's it's exquisite. So, how long did that take?
1: Uh, well, I've, I worked on it starting last Monday. So so far, I've been working on it six days. I've got probably another, I'm hoping, another few days on it. If I can really get some good solid days and um, just to finish it out. But um, it was a real challenge. And it's interesting because, you know, you you dive into a project, which carving faces and, and a bust uh, of a woman is really very difficult because you're dealing with you know, certain facial features and very uh, – um, subtle nuances. Mm-hmm. I was really having a hard time Friday afternoon. I was like, just one of those sort of, I don't know if they, if they can call it a carver's block. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: I just, so I had to leave. So I got, I got out of my shop. I went to the bank and I actually sat it was Friday afternoon. Of course, the bank was packed. And so I sat there and waited in line at the bank. And I started looking at the cashier, I started staring at her and she probably thought I was really strange. because <laughs> <'cause I, laughs> I'm staring at her eyes and, and the shape above her eyes and that, that very subtle shape on her eyelid and how it transitions into the side of the eye and all of this. Cause she was a young, young girl, probably, I don't know, 25, 26. So she had very smooth skin and, you know, and, and I thought, wow. Oh. That's what I'm missing, and so uh, there was like this eureka moment in the bank.
3: <laughs> that's fantastic!
1: Wow, she's probably going to call the police because there's this woman here staring at me, very, very strange, <laughs> <laughs> with this strange look on her face. Of a... <laughs> oh,
3: that's- when you started taking <laughs> pictures, that's when she got really weirded out, right? Yeah,
1: that right. Is- <laughs> Actually, I was. was looked left
3: to- and then <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think I mean. There would probably be a certain amount, element of uh, flattery there, you know, if you were to walk up to someone and say, hey, um, do you mind if I take a picture so that I can carve your eye? Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, not carve your eye, but carve your eye into wood, you know. Um, but...
1: Then it would be kicked out of the bank.
0: Right. <laughs> um, now, do you find that with your own designs, um, it's hard to know when to stop? Because I yes. I was going to say, I can imagine like with, with something like furniture, it's it's like, you know, most furniture is a box or a variation on that theme. And so there's only so much you can do unless you're just going to pile on these decorative elements. But with something like a carving, I mean, you know, how how many of the facets do you leave? How smooth do you make things? Do you mm-hmm. add more details? Do you, I mean, like, I, I can't even imagine doing that. Of course, I don't carve yet, but, um, you know. God willing, one day, but so is that, is that something that you struggle with?
1: Well, no, what's interesting is it, it um, it, it, actually helps to know when to stop when you are doing it for somebody, because there's a check at the end of the job.
0: Ah, okay.
1: <laughs> there's a payment. So sometimes, <laughs> um, you, uh, you know, that was, first of all, that's an incentive, um, to actually complete something. And you, you know, you want to obviously impress your, your client and you want to, you know, have a happy client. Yes, that's definitely that incentive and that motivation to actually finish something. So, I have quite a few projects around my workshop that are um, that sort of that I'm just sort of carving on my own. That then I get distracted, and you know, okay, something else <laughs> or a job comes up, and you end up, uh, you know, uh, having something. Uh, more priority coming up. So yeah, it's very, very easy to just put this aside. And I'm really hoping that I'm not going to get distracted over the next, uh, I guess this next week. um, So I can actually finish this project. I really am hoping and I'm, I'm disciplining myself. I really am. I'm trying not to get distracted because it's very easy (laughs) to say, okay, well that was fun. And then I'll finish this another day. And I know that'll never happen. So I have, I have to finish it now.
2: (laughs) That's smart.
0: Well, if you like, we can, we can have our listeners start just bugging you on Instagram if they don't see pictures of the finished product.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting with Instagram. That actually is something that has probably actually sort of egged me on a bit because there has been a, some oh, great, wow. encouraging comments like, yeah, go for it. Woo! <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, oh, no. If I don't finish it, I'm going to disappoint all those people.
2: <laughs> we will be very disappointed. That's right. That's You'll right. hear about it.
1: So, yeah, there is something about that. You know, when you have uh, people expecting something, they're you know, like, okay, now the pressure's on. <laughs>
2: So you had mentioned um, about kind of doing a lot of reproductions of, or, or, you know, like you had said, the bedpost, right? I have one bedpost. I need three more. Have you found, I mean, it sounds like there's something beautiful about being able to take some master's work and being able to try and recreate it. Have you found joy and excitement in that as well? Oh,
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, and and I think that really ends up being um the challenge of it to see see how accurate you can get it. Um like let's say like a the the Newport shells or something like that, that are very, very precise. You know, the uh the Goddard towns Newport shells specifically for, you know, certain um period furniture. Um that that's a real Particular design, and it, I just love the challenge. I love to to work through the challenges of those designs. Now, it's uh, the the real challenge ends up coming when you have ten of one thing to do.
2: I can I can't <laughs> and, imagine yeah, actually. That's
1: where patience comes in.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> that's where you um, you see. That's when you get try to get into production mode where. You know you do a little bit on each one a little bit on each one a little bit on each one, then you do the next step on each one so um uh, that that's probably um I think that's probably the time when I wonder hmm this is an interesting job that I've chosen <laughs> 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 uh, of uh uh, you do, when, really, what you want to do is try to do it as efficiently as possible at that point, and, and uh, then that's whole. That's that's where that sort of I've, I think I've looked at the top of the hill and said,
2: <laughs> "I looked up." <laughs> oh <laughs> shoot, <laughs> very tall
1: hill. <laughs> you know, at that point, what what I tend to do is basically make a daily goal. There was one time when I had to do about months worth of exactly the same thing it's tiny little shells um they're fans actually little five inch fans along a freeze oh wow hundreds of them i think like 180 feet of this molding crown mold wow geez and so i and it took about four months to do and so every single day i was dealing with the same design repeated repeated and, you know, you you do. You sort of have to psychologically say, okay, I'm going to do this again. You get yourself excited. Ooh, ooh I get to do this again today.
2: <laughs> Did you have reoccurring nightmares about this design? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like one day, okay, well, I'm going to make, I'm going to carve four feet of this today. And then the next day, I'm going to carve four and a half feet of this today. You know, you make your own little sort of games or, you can survive through it sometimes.
2: <laughs> that's actually really, I mean, that's great wisdom, though. Recognizing that I have to do this work. it's This is part of the job. And how can I make it fun? You know, recognizing that if I don't try and make it fun, I'll be miserable.
1: Right. Or, you know, it
2: won't be fun. And then I probably won't do as good of a job. That's true.
1: That's true. Then you try to fast forward it and really feed through it. And then and the that's when
2: you start making mistakes. Up, uh, yeah, it
1: ends up diminishing Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it is it is an interesting psychology where you have to work through it and say, okay, this is am enjoying this and you make it into however you can make it into a game or make it into make it interesting again.
2: Yeah. So what's the oldest piece you've ever worked with, like, you know, where you're holding a piece of furniture or something that's been made like what, how many hundreds of years ago?
1: oh my um that's a good question i, I honestly don't do that very often i i've i had an old um sort of chippendale style chair but probably from the um mid eighteen fifties but a lot of times I don't generally work like if there's um these are more reproductions these are more okay. um actual um like the uh, if you're familiar with the um, Society of American Period Furniture Makers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's a group of people that interested uh, in the um, the period furniture, whether they're um, builders or hobbyists or career. What they they get into doing the actual um, studying and learning about the period furniture, which ends up being like the 1760s, 1780s furniture. And I I work a lot with them and people who are building furniture. The actual reproductions, and then I do the details like the ball and cloth foot or, you know, okay. doing the carving details for that. Um, what you're talking about is more like um, repair, furniture repair of, a, of an antique piece. Um, I okay. have done some of that, but I'm just trying to think. Probably the oldest was probably maybe 1800, um, probably a chair that I worked on. Yeah. It's not a real common thing that i work on though is the actual repair part of it most of it is new
2: reproductions okay Mm
0: -hmm. so then would you um in in a reproduction like that would you be working from like pictures or drawings of the original
1: yes yeah and a lot of times they have photographs of and a lot of these museums have the original where you can go and sometimes measure um, sometimes they're very, very particular about measuring. <laughs>
0: <laughs> White gloves. Uh, very and...
1: protective. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you either base it off of drawings. Um, I, I kind of get a little spoiled sometimes because I never really am in the position where I have to go or pick out the wood or anything like that. Um, like let's say for a chair, let's say for a ball and claw foot. I'm basically handed this nicely shaped cabriole leg <laughs> from oh, wow. the customer from the furniture maker, and I get to carve it. So you know that's I'm sort of a one step away from the actual furniture making, which I kind of get spoiled, as I say. And then of course they probably picked the most beautiful, um, perfect straight grain mahogany, um, uh, you know, that type of thing. In time that I was mentioning, uh, which where they gave me the sapeli.
3: yeah wow now is that ever uh, difficult if you get a species that maybe you don't prefer to work with or uh, uh, let me rephrase that how particular does the type of wood uh, matter in the work that you do
1: it does matter a lot it really does it makes life so much easier Um, one time uh, well yeah and and a lot of times that ends up um, in the whole Working with the customer, working with the client, pricing it. Um, You know, if you're going to be working in red oak versus something like basswood, (laughs) yeah, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Um, The thing you have to consider is you probably end up spending much of your time sharpening your tools when you're using particular hardwoods um, rather
2: than soft ones. So you have to also
1: consider the time involved in that, just that much more time you'll be putting into it.
2: Do you have a favorite material?
1: Um, that mahogany that I'm working on right now, that's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> Old mahogany. But uh, um, walnut, I absolutely love. Black walnut. Um, really love carving black walnut. Um, and I, I think more because really sharp tools, You, if and you just slice across the wood, you actually get a burnished wood. Mm-hmm. And there are some woods that just do not do that. Um, The softer woods, you can't really get that burnished look just right from the tool. Um, And walnut is one, sometimes you can get that, but mostly walnut, cherry is a beautiful wood to carve, but it's difficult. It's challenging just because of the the hardness, physical hardness of the wood. At that really crisp um, surface, crisp edges, um, the, the harder the wood really just have to just realize that it is harder wood. Yeah. <laughs> many That's
3: great. Well, uh, Mary, is there anything uh, you'd like to promote uh, specifically or any other message you have for our listeners?
1: Well, um, I just finished writing a book on carving the acanthus leaf.
0: Oh, fantastic. And, That's exciting.
1: Uh, uh, Lost Art Press is publishing it.
2: Awesome. Great.
1: I just um, got the design. Um, uh, test back, I guess, or the approval and uh, so we're we're just at the point now of editing it so I, I finished it last fall um, and it was a, about a two year process which I was really not expecting it to be that huge of a process of writing this. it got really intense <laughs> <laughs> Where I basically it's a it's a step- by step instructional on uh, how to carve. Different 13 different designs of acanthus leaves. Wow, and um, if you're not familiar with the acanthus leaf, basically it's that very traditional leaf that you see pretty much everywhere uh, Corinthian capitals and you know, and many pieces of furniture. It's a lot of people ask me, like, what did you just say? There's that, I'm like, no, it's that. Leaf. <laughs> Once you explain it, they all know what it is, but they've maybe mm-hmm. heard the name of it, but um. And I go over the history a little bit also. And so um, that is expected to be out um, in the summer. So as long as this sort of editing process and all of that, I have no idea how long that takes. But uh, Chris Schwartz was talking about uh, it being uh, hopefully out in the summer. So I hope so. It's been a very long, <laughs> long <laughs> process, but um, uh, I'm. I think my husband is very happy that the uh, the book is done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that might have to be my first Lost Art purchase. I've been, I've been, you know, I've, I know very well of their work. Um, he does, you know, everything that they produced is is outstanding. Um, and I've just kind of started getting into, let's say, higher quality production. Like I've you know, uh, Mortis and tenon magazine.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I know, Adam, you mentioned you've got a couple of things from them as well, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Lost Art. Um, it's, the quality is amazing. And uh, of course, you know, it doesn't do good to have a really great quality book and not have something good to say in the book. So uh, I, I'm excited to hear that that you're going to be in there. So um, uh, that's definitely something I'm going to be looking out for, because it seems like the uh, the topic is awesome. The Obviously, the book's going to be amazing, so... Um, that's that's great.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. It, it was it was quite a, a an interesting journey, and um, a friend of mine suggested that in the process of writing the book, that I include stories, um, personal stories of just experiences with um, my carving journey, and even before. And so that was a fun process. I actually have the story about the uh, the spiral bedpost in there. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> But you know it's interesting because some certain things you think well they're just part of your you know day to day world but then you know you're like well no that might be very interesting for other people to sort of see and whatever so, uh, and so it was fun to think up um, or think back I guess and say I guess that could be kind of an interesting story and you know anyway it's a, it was it was a fun process of uh, just walking through some of the history and um, walking through some of the things that I haven't really thought about for a long time and then to, to writing them into stories. So it was a lot of fun.
0: That's great.
2: Well, we look forward to that.
0: <laughs> um, would you mind mentioning the details about your school as well? Cause I have a feeling that's going to be appealing to a lot of our listeners.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, Well, right now, oh goodness, I don't even know. I lost track of the numbers. I think there's about 300 different videos on there right now. Um, And you can sign up for free. Basically, there's 16 of those uh, beginner lessons for free. And then if you want to move up to premium membership, that's $14.99 a month, or uh, you can also do it for a year, $159.99 for the year. And you basically you have access to everything. You can download them, which is kind of unique. Um, it's uh, I don't think um, very many um, schools offer the download option. Um,
0: right. Yeah.
1: Uh, to, to actually, so you could go into your workshop if you have a um, if you don't have internet connection in your workshop, you can actually watch it or. Um, one of my students actually went camping, believe it or not. They actually wanted to watch my videos while camping. I thought, that's interesting. Maybe you should actually go and enjoy the outdoors, but no. <laughs> 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 and, and
2: Maybe they it. wanted to do outdoor carving.
1: <laughs> carving into a tree or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they were able to do that, actually go uh, offline and, and watch the videos. So, um, but now, as I said, I added a video every week, um, and pretty much the projects that I end up doing and, and showing are really, they're real time. I don't sort of, I don't like, like the cooking shows where you say, okay, do this. And then 20 minutes later, do this. Um, uh, you know, it, it's pretty much real time. I, I have the video cameras going pretty much through the whole project, even some of the tedious parts, but you know, you can fast forward through some of those. <laughs> but I try not to because even those tedious parts, um, you know, the repetitive parts, that type of thing, you still can learn a lot from them. And I basically just talk through it. I walk, walk people through the whole process. Sometimes they're very, very basic projects. And sometimes they're really um, uh, detailed and complex. And so it's just whatever comes through my door, whether it's a project I'm deciding to do just specifically for the school or whether it's a project that I'm actually doing for a customer, um, and I just show the process, um, and just uh, see where it goes. There's several of them that I just uh, kind of start with a blank piece of wood and say, I'm not quite sure where this is going, but let's see, and i uh, let you know when I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's challenging for me and probably for the students also. <laughs>
3: That's well, and and in case anyone is still hesitant um, from the ones that I've seen, I mean, these are wonderful quality um, videos, Mary. I, I love the camera angles. I mean, it is right in on the action, and uh, for your narration as you're doing this carving is, it's very clear that you're a teacher and that you're a good teacher, because it's just uh, a very natural... Uh, flow of, of events through, through these videos that, uh, I mean, just wonderful content,
0: wonderful quality. Um, yeah, no, no one should hesitate to check them out. I find it hard to speak coherently while I'm not doing anything. So the fact that you can do that while you're carving (laughs) is just amazing.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) um so where uh where can people find your school and and where can they follow you online
1: okay um i've been getting a little bit more into the instagram thing i'm trying to do that at least daily or every other day um and um oh what is the name
2: (laughs) i just pulled it up it's mary may wood carving
1: thank you that's terrible. I don't even know what the name of my Instagram
0: is. <laughs> oh, that's okay. all right. It just means you're not conceited. So we like that. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and uh,
1: and uh, my my school site, the website is just marymaycarving.com and then forward slash carving school. Okay. And should, or if you just want to go marymaycarving.com. And then there's also a link from that point. If you go up to the menu, you can find the school from there. So it's just, or just Google Mary Mae Carvey. It's really, you can probably find most of that. And I do have some, uh, quite a few YouTube videos also. Um, A a lot of the times I, well, I do, I make introduction videos of all of the videos that I have on my school. And they're just like a minute, maybe a minute and a half, sometimes just introducing the actual lesson. And I put those up every time I have a new lesson I put those up on YouTube so people can kind of get a really rough quick idea of of what that lesson is about so those are kind of fun to watch
0: awesome well we'll be sure to put uh, a link to your Instagram your website and then um, your YouTube channel as well in the show notes for this um, interview so that people can go there if they forget or they don't feel like googling it Um, (laughs) but uh, but Mary this has been just an absolute pleasure Um, I think i Probably speak for the other guys, but I'll, I'll let them yep. say their piece as well. But it's been, it's just been incredible to to get to talk to you, and we really really appreciate you um, coming on and talking to us and and giving such wonderful information for our listeners.
1: Well, thank you. It's been a lot of fun, been a lot of fun.
0: So thanks again, Mary, for uh, taking the time to talk to us, and as always, stay virtuous.